So we're continuing with John's Gospel uh, this morning and uh, I just really felt it was important that we just remind ourselves that the four Gospels, the Gospel of Mark presents Jesus as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the genealogy to prove that he came as the promised one uh, down through the the line of uh, Judah, the, the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the genealogy is there in Matthew's Gospel presenting Jesus to the Jews. Then Mark comes in, Matthew, Mark, and Mark presents him as the servant, as the one who came to be the servant of his father to come to go to the cross. Then Luke presents him as the perfect man, the, the, the one who, who was a, a man who, who did, uh, God came in real flesh and presents Jesus as a, as a man really for maybe more the Gentiles. And the genealogy there, as we've said before, is really going right back to the beginning from Adam right through. And then the, the Gospel of John, which is what we're studying at the moment, as you know, presents him as the eagle-like one. Remember in the Old Testament where God said about his people, he said, I was the one who bore you up with wings as eagles. And you know, God is the one who can still lift you up and bear you up on his wings as eagles. And I just really felt it was important. Uh, John presents him as God. John writes in his gospel and he presents Jesus as God, the one from the Old Testament, the one who bore his people up on wings. And just this week I've been talking to Aileen, I don't know where she is, but Aileen gave me this flag this morning and I just really feel it's important to show it to you uh, with the eagle because we really want to lift up God as the eagle-like one, the one who bears us up with wings as eagles. And I asked Aileen to make me a flag because I wanted to fly this flag as I worship on my own and there's something about about worshiping and cutting through the atmosphere as we wave the flag it's not just any old thing it's actually declaring that he is God that he is the one from the Old Testament from before the beginning of time he's the one who's like the eagle who will lift us up as wings like eagles that we will run and not be weary that we will walk and not faint and so I just believe it's important to declare that today as we start off with the Gospel of John. And we're going to pick up from where we have been looking. And we're in John uh, chapter, we're still in John chapter 1. Last week, if you remember, we, we finished that prologue. And now we're starting in from uh, verse 19. And here's what it says. I'm going to read from verse 19 for a few verses. Now, this is the testimony of John. Now this is John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? And he confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John the Baptist said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Just wanted to stop there for a moment. He's actually quoting something there, uh, what the prophet Isaiah had said in Isaiah 40, where Isaiah had prophesied that one would come to be a voice who would prefer, prepare the way of the Lord. And I just wanted to start by saying that many Jewish people, 
You've got to remember that at this time in history, many of the Jews who, were, who knew the Old Testament, who, who were brought up to learn large portions of Scripture off by heart, who knew the Torah, who knew the Scriptures, and they knew that Messiah had been promised. The Jews were waiting for a Messiah. They thought he would come and deliver them from the rule of the Romans. They thought he would come in like a great big strong king who would rule and destroy the, the Romans and fight for them. They, they were not understanding what God was about to do. And so we looked at how uh, these over these last weeks we have seen how the, the Jews were expecting Messiah and many of them even knew Daniel's prophecy. Do you remember at the very beginning we looked at how Daniel had had a, a prophecy of 70 weeks of years and actually without going into it, it was actually giving a timeline as to when Messiah would come. So many Jewish people were expecting the Messiah to come. And so it was hardly surprising that when they heard that a crazy man who was dressed in skins and camel's hair and eating a crazy diet, when they heard that he was preaching a, 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 a repentance, a baptism of repentance at the River Jordan, it was hardly surprising that they sent some people to go and inquire. The Jews sent people to inquire, well, who are you? They were wondering, is this is this? the Messiah. They were wondering, do you remember the Old Testament prophecies, uh, the very last verses in the Old Testament was about one like Elijah would come who would prepare the way of the Lord. So they send these Jews to come and ask John who he was. They asked him was he the Christ and John very clearly said, I am not the Christ. And then they asked him was he Elijah and he said, I am not. And then they asked them, are you the prophet? Now that refers back to Deuteronomy 18 and 18, which was where Moses had prophesied about Jesus coming. And again, he clearly says, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that prophet. And so here is John and he is declaring, no, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. Now here's the point I wanted to get across this morning that John knew who he was, that John knew his identity in Christ. Here's the verses in uh, Isaiah 40, where it says, uh, if I can just get the, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, sorry, it's, yeah, verse 40. Um, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What an amazing thing that 700 years before that God had given a prophetic word to Isaiah the prophet and he was able to say that one's going to come who's going to be a voice. And John knew who he was. He knew that he was that voice. And so uh, he was able to say clearly that he knew he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He was hearing God. Verse 24 says, Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked John, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in, my Bible says, Beth Arbora, 
Um, some of your translations might say Bethany, same place, beside the Jordan where John was baptizing. Here's the thing. John had heard from the Holy Spirit that he was to look out for the one who would come, that he would see the Spirit descending upon them. Now, it's interesting that John's Gospel doesn't actually uh, tell us anything about the baptism of Jesus. It's like John is not, he's not repeating some of the stuff that the other Gospels have spoken about. And, and Mark's Gospel in particular gives us a lovely picture of John and how when he was preaching at the Jordan, how when Jesus came, how he saw the Spirit of God, the doves, resting upon him. Isn't it amazing in that moment that God the Spirit was resting upon Jesus? So we have the Spirit, we have the Son, and then do you remember the voice came out of heaven, God the Father, saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Remember that Jesus was about 30 years of age. Do you know that in the Old Testament that the Jewish people, when, when, a, when a man became 30 years of age, that's when he could become a priest. That's when he became of age. That's when he was ready to do his life's work. And so here he is, and God the Father's. And I just love this picture. God the Father from heaven, God the Son on the earth, and the dove, God the Holy Spirit. John got a glimpse of it, and John realized that this was the one that he had been waiting for. This was God in flesh. And he realized that he was worthy. He realized that, that John realized who he was, that he wasn't worthy even to undo his, the, the strap of his sandal. John realised who he was and he realised who Christ was. And that's really my introduction this morning. That's what I really feel that God wants to say to us. That it's so important that we know who we are in Christ. It's so important that we know who Christ is and who we are. That we can actually step into all that God has called for us to do. John understood his true identity but he also understood his true purpose. And his purpose was to point other people to Jesus. That's why he, he came to earth and he understood that. And if you remember, he said here, he is coming after me, he's preferred before me. I baptise with water, John said in, in, in verse um, 26. But there stands one among us whom you do not know. He's coming after me and he is going to be prefer, prepared before me. We know that, that John spoke about he was the one who would come, not just to baptise with water, but Jesus was going to come to baptise with fire. Remember the day of Pentecost? Fire of the Holy Spirit came upon all of those people as tongues of fire rested upon him. Jesus was coming to fulfil all the Old Testament scriptures. He was coming to... to um, present himself as God. He was coming to fulfill the scriptures that pointed to Messiah. So that's the introduction. And here's the question. Do you know your true identity and purpose? Do you know that God has always loved you and chosen you to be his child? Ephesians 1 and 4 says that, that, he, that, we are, that we are accepted in the beloved, that he has chosen us from before the foundation of the world. Now I know we probably all know that verse. We probably all know it in our head. But I'm wondering this morning if you've really got that. Has it dropped from your head right down into your spirit that God has chosen you? 
You know, Anne, you pictured, died the other week, and this was Anne's testimony. Anne was a big Protestant when she was young, a big prod, we would say, in Northern Ireland. And, uh, and she, was, she became addicted to alcohol, and she, she was really, remember she told her story here a few years ago, and how she just was drinking and it was destroying her, and how God brought her to St. Concilio's in Newry, to the rehab centre a Catholic rehab centre, and how uh, when she was in there on her own, she heard the scriptures being read, and the voice quoted as it was reading from John 15, I have, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And Anne turned her eyes to Jesus, and she realised that Jesus had, had chosen her to be his daughter. And she saw a picture on, there was like a stained glass window in St. Concilio's, and she saw the picture of Jesus with a, a, a lamb in his arms. And it touched her heart to realise that God wanted to lift her up and, and just like carry her like a lamb in his arms. And she just received Jesus as her saviour. And it totally transformed her life. And she gave the rest of her life to the Lord. And as we probably, a lot of you know, she actually, she and her husband went to Russia and set up a rehab centre in Russia of all places. We don't know what God has planned for us, but one thing we do know is that he wants us to, to step up into who we are. He wants us to know that we have been chosen. And, and if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to know he has chosen you. And he's calling for you. He is desperate for you to come to him and say, I want to choose you back. You know, if two people get married, the guy might choose the girl. Or the girl may choose the guy, but the other one has to consent. The, the, there has to be that choosing of each other, hasn't there? And so the Lord has chosen you. Are you ready to choose him? Are you ready to step into what he has for you? And so you need to know that God has chosen you. You need to know you've been chosen from before the foundation of the world. And whenever you receive Jesus as your saviour, then you not only get forgiven... I mean, this is the most amazing thing. All of the stuff, all of the stuff that, that is heavy upon us, all of the, the sins and the, the mistakes and all the, the, the grief and the, the stuff that we carry, it's forgiven. When we receive Jesus, it's washed off us. We are totally set free. All that stuff goes. We, it's like a heavy weight is lifted as he forgives us. And not only does he forgive us, but he heals us by his stripes. We are healed. And he restores us. He wants to give us back what the enemy has stolen. I'm guessing there are people here this morning and the enemy's stolen stuff from your life. I'm guessing he has stolen, he has stolen things from you that you would maybe even grieve about. And you know what? Jesus died to restore more than you lost. He wants to give you back what you've lost and far more. He wants to give you freedom and he wants to give you power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And why? Because God wants to save you and he wants you to know who you are. He wants you to know, remember the, at the beginning of John's Gospel where it says, To as many as received him and believed on his name, to them he gave power to become what? The children of God. Do you understand that if you have trusted Jesus as your saviour, if you have understood he died for your sins, he paid for your sins so that he could reconnect you to the glory of God. And we have talked over these last weeks how God created us in his glory. 
to shine forth his glory, but because of sin, that part of us that was connected, that glory part died. And Jesus came to save us, that we could be reconnected again, that the glory of God, we could carry it in our body, and that we would begin to shine in this dark world for him. And so here is uh, John, and he he is John the Baptist. He knows that he's, he's here to point out Jesus the Son of God. John knows why he's here. And the reason that you and I are here this morning is because God has chosen you. And God wants you to know that you belong to him as his daughter and that you would carry the family likeness. That as his daughter, you'd begin to allow his glory and his likeness to shine out of your life. Now that means we need to get rid of a lot of old stuff. I was talking to some, a group of, of people last night in the Ignite course just about that old orphan part of us, that part of us that still carries the wrong ideas about who we are and who God is. And God wants us to know we're not orphans, we're not slaves. We are daughters now of the King of Kings. And you need to know who you are. You need to know that you belong to God, that you are his precious, treasured child. And that he loves you and he wants you to shine for him. And he doesn't want you to have all of those disturbing thoughts going round and round in your head. He doesn't want you to think of yourself as being useless and of no good. He wants you to understand that he paid the price to forgive your sins and to change you to become, to be able to carry his glory and allow his glory to shine through your life that you can point others to Jesus. Just like John the Baptist did. Do you know who you are? Do you know that you are his precious daughter? Do you know that you are a child of God? You were created to carry his glory and honour in your own unique way. You see, you're different than I am. God's made you different to me. We're all different. We're all unique. I mean, even our fingerprints. Everything's different. We are unique beings with a unique blend of gifts. And in, in unique circumstances, we're all come up in different families. We've all got different friends. We're all unique. And God says, you are my child. You are my daughter. And I want you to yield your life to me. And I want you to understand that I have a plan and a purpose for your life. That in your, out of your personality, that you're going to shine Jesus. That you're going to be a light in the darkness. That you're going to shine for God. And so this is what it's all about. Ephesians 1 verses 11 to 12 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God's working things in your life, but he needs you to trust him. He needs you to look into his face. He needs you to know that he has chosen you, that he loves you, that he has given you the power to become the child of God, the daughter of God. Let's just read uh, John 1 verse 28 again. These things were done in Beth Arbor, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Do you picture John? Can you sort of see him? This wild-looking man with the, the camel skins and the leather belt and the the fiery eyes, and he's preaching, he's preaching for these the Jewish people to turn back to God. 
Remember this time the, the Romans were in charge, there was a lot of chaos and confusion in the land and, and people, the Jews were in not in a good place and history, the dark ages between the Old and New Testament there was still confusion and here's John and he suddenly appears down by the Jordan River and he starts to preach, preach this gospel of repentance. He's saying to the people, will you repent? Will you get ready? I'm here to point you, the one that's been promised is about to come and he starts to preach and many, many hearts were touched. And many of these Jewish people realized that they needed to repent of their sins. Do you know that repentance is one of God's greatest gifts? That we can repent of stuff that we've done. We can repent of the wrong stuff in our lives because God wants to wash it off us and he wants to let us to start anew. And that's what many of these Jews did. They, they, they asked John to baptize them and they were getting themselves ready for Messiah to come. And so he's, he's baptizing this, baptiz this baptism of repentance and he's faithful to do what God had created him to do. He knew who he was and he knew what he was supposed to do. He was preaching a baptism of repentance. Now that place, Beth, Beth Arbora or Bethany, whatever it is in your Bible, is actually a rough and rocky region around the Dead Sea near where the Jordan River is. And here's the question I wanted to ask you. Sometimes we're also called in life to rough and rocky places and we're called to be witnesses for Jesus but just like John stayed where he was and continued preaching, we, even if life is difficult, we need to be faithful to stay in position in order to experience God encounters and fulfill our purpose and destiny. I'm just reading that straight out of my notes. Because do you know what? John was faithful to be where he was meant to be and to do what he was meant to do. And he was ready for Messiah to come. And if John had thought, this is getting too much, I'm, I'm getting tired of this, if he had pulled up stakes and gone off somewhere else, he might have missed that encounter with Jesus. But John stayed where he was, even though it was rock and rough, rough and rocky, he stayed where he was, and he continued to preach. And, and of course, we know that Jesus came to where John was. I want to tell you this morning that if you feel that you're in a difficult place right now, if you feel that your life's a bit rough and rocky and you're in a difficult place, I want to really encourage you, keep doing what you're doing. Keep shining for Jesus. Stand fast. Don't be discouraged. We all go through difficult times in life. Life can be painful. Life can be difficult. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you're going through. I know from just from talking to some of you that there's lots of you who are you know, going through sickness and all kinds of family troubles and we know that there are those who aren't with us today, even over the past week, who have been going through really serious stuff. But I want to say to you, keep trusting in Jesus. Keep trusting in Jesus because, you know, he is faithful. He is a faithful one and he will meet you where you are. He will come to you. He will meet you. He will give you all that you need. And I love these verses in Proverbs 3. You know, we, we read these verses so much. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And, you know, we, we know those verses, so many of us. But I just feel there's a freshness that God wants to remind us. That when we trust in him, when we depend upon him, when we lay all our burdens and all our worries and all our questions and all our problems, when we give them all to him and trust him, he will, he will direct us and he will tell us when to stand still and when to move. 
He'll keep us in the very place that he wants us to be. Isaiah 30, 21 talks about how we will hear that voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. And for those of you who maybe at this moment are needing to make some decisions, I want you to know that God is the God who can communicate to you. God is the God who can direct you and keep you in position. It's so important that we're in position for God to do what he wants to do in our lives. And so here's John, and he's in, in position. He's up the Jordan River, and he's been preaching. And then it says, verse 29, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, or behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but he should be revealed but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore said John the Baptist, I come baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. John the, John the Baptist pointed and he said these words, Look or behold the Lamb of God. Now as I was preparing for this this week, I couldn't help but think of the Old Testament story of Abraham and Isaac. Remember that story how God spoke to Abraham and asked him was he willing to, to um, present his son Isaac as an offering to the Lord. And you know, I love that story. Genesis 22, it's the most beautiful Old Testament story. And if you remember, uh, Abraham took his son Isaac, who was still a young man, probably a young teenager, and took him and they began to walk up Mount Moriah. And as they were going up Mount Moriah, you remember what happened that uh, Isaac looked around and he, he looked and he could see that there was, there was fire. In those days they would have carried the fire. They hadn't got like the matches the way we do. They'd have carried fire on, a, on tar or whatever that was burning. And he could see that there, was, that, there was, that there was fire and he could see that there was wood. And he knew that this was for the offering. But Isaac couldn't understand where the sacrifice was. He couldn't see, uh, he couldn't see that his father had a lamb or any animal for sacrifice. And on the way up the mountain, remember what Isaac asked his father? He said, I see the fire in the, in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt sacrifice? And that's the question that there is in the Old Testament. Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the burnt sacrifice? And we know that story, and probably all of you know it, how when, when Abraham was, pre was prepared to actually lay his son on the altar and obey God and, and trust that God would raise him from the dead, because uh, Hebrews 11 tells us that, that actually he was prepared to give his son, but he had enough faith to believe that if he did uh, slay his son, that God would raise him from the dead. Abraham was full of faith. And as he prepared and lifted the knife to slay his own son, remember the voice from heaven that cried out, Abraham, Abraham, lay not your hand upon the lad. And this beautiful picture of a ram, a ram caught in the hedge by its horns, that was, that was so that this animal would have no defect on its body. It wouldn't be caught or ripped open or in any way. It was caught by the horns. A picture of a perfect sacrifice. A ram 
of full age, not just a little lamb, but a ram caught, no, I don't know, it's just thicket, I'm not, I presume that's a hedge, caught in the hedge by its horns. What was that picture? That was the picture of Jesus coming to earth as the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God. Of full age, just like the ram, ready to be that spotless sacrifice. No defects in Jesus. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And Abraham had the privilege of actually having a preview of what God was going to do. And that blows me away that God would, remember God counted Abraham as his friend. He talked about Abraham as being his friend because Abraham believed God and he trusted God. And that's what God's longing for from your life and mine. That no matter what goes on, that we would trust him and believe him and be ready to, to, to lay down anything that he asks us to lay down, believing that he is better for us. Abraham realized that it was more important to do what God asked him to do and to trust God than it was to hold on tight to his son. He was willing to give everything he had to his son. This is a story, a foreshadow of how God would save humanity. And you know, I love it that in John's Gospel, we haven't come to it yet, we will further down the line, John 8, 56, that Jesus refers back to Abraham and he says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Why? Because God gave Abraham a little preview that God the Father was going to give his son. That God wasn't going to give, ask Abraham to give up his son. God was showing him that one day God the Father would send his son to be the sacrifice. That he would come to be the Lamb of God. And so I just think it's amazing that at this moment that John cries out, Behold the Lamb of God. And to me it's like an answer to that Old Testament question, Where is the Lamb for the burnt offering? That's the Old Testament question that rings through the Old Testament that Isaac asked this question, well, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And here John the Baptist, all these centuries later, John the Baptist points and says, here he is. Here's the one that God sent. Behold, look, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. What a God we have who was willing to give up his son. What a God who loves you so much that he was prepared for God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life, a different kind of life, the life that's in God's son, that we could be redeemed, that he would buy us back, that we would carry his glory and carry his presence, that we could walk through this life carrying the glory and the honour of God, that he would restore to us what we lost in the Garden of Eden, and that the glory of God would rest upon us, and that we would be changed from one level of glory to another. And we've been speaking about this over these past few weeks, that God's plan for you and for me is, first of all, that we would know that we're chosen, and he wants us to be his daughters, he wants to reconnect us to himself, and he wants to restore the glory that you and I might carry the glory of God. That we might actually look more like him. That we would behave more like him. That we would speak more like Christ. That we would look more like Christ. That we would show Christ to the world. That we would show what God looks like to this dark world. That we would be light bearers carrying the light of God. And that we would actually point people who are in darkness to the Saviour. What an amazing 
privileged position that we have. I wrote in your notes, before time began, Jesus, the Lamb of God, had been ready to die for our sins. The Lamb slain from before the foundations of the world. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit planned this out before the foundation of the world, that, that God the Son would come in a human body. And now, as we read this gospel, as we read John's chapter 1, we see that, the, that God's moment, that the, Jesus' moment had come right on cue. John the Baptist announced his arrival and he presented Jesus as the final unblemished sacrifice for sin, the Lamb of God. And, and here's a little bit I wrote, and I'd love you to catch this. When John pointed to Jesus that day and shouted in a loud voice, look, and I believe he shouted with a real loud voice, look, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This was the answer to the age-old question, where is the Lamb? You know, I have this sense that, remember that this particular time, all the Old Testament saints were waiting until Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And, and he was going to take them out of that place of waiting, out of Hades. He was going to take them and bring them right up into heaven. And I could hear, I believe that there was Old Testament saints. I believe that Isaac who had asked that question, where's the lamb? I believe that Isaac could hear that being shouted. And I believe not only Isaac, but Abraham and all of the Old Testament saints. I believe as John shouted, here he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I believe that that voice was heard right down to where they were waiting. And you know what? Every person who ever lived and every person who ever will live will hear that, will hear that shout, will hear that truth. He has come. He's the Lamb of God and he takes away the sin of the world. And that's why in Revelation 5 uh, verses 6 we see this picture of who is worthy to open the book. What's the book? We haven't time to read Revelation 5 but I'd love you to read it when you go home. It's all about this scroll. This is, it's the title deeds of earth. And the question is who will open, who will open this book? Who, who's worthy to open this book? And one steps forward. And who steps forward? It's not the mighty lion of the tribe of Judah, much as we love that picture. But it's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It's Jesus, the lamb of God, who steps forward and he opens the book because he's worthy. He's the one who is worthy of all that we have got. And from that moment forward, from that moment forward, John the Baptist was going to step back out of the picture and he was going to let Jesus step forward. I believe, ladies, that there's a moment in our life where we realise it's not all about us. There's a moment in our life where we rededicate ourselves and we say, Lord, this is about you. You are worthy. And I believe that's the message that God has given for you, from, from, for you this morning. I believe this is what God is going to say. Let me read this to you. From this point onward, John was going to decrease so that Christ would increase. John was about to see his disciples who had been following him leave him and follow Christ and John was going to rejoice and he could do this because he knew his own identity and purpose and he knew the identity and purpose of the one that he was submitting to. You see, in order for you to fulfill what God has called you to fulfill, in order for you to fulfill the purpose that God has for you, you need to know who you are. Because John knew who he was and who Jesus was, he was able to step back. 
and he was able to allow Jesus to move. Let me read these verses to you uh, from verse, um, verse 35. Again, the next day, this is after uh, he had seen Jesus, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and look at this, and they followed Jesus. What did that mean for John the Baptist? It meant that the men and women who were following him were now starting to follow Jesus. They were no longer going to follow him. And Jesus turned and seeing them following said, what do you seek? We're going to look next week at how God, how, how Jesus began to encounter individuals. But here's the point. John was stepping back so that Jesus could step forward. And I believe this morning that this is the main thing that God wants to say to us this morning. In order to fulfill your true purpose, you need to be like John. John knew who he was. He was a voice. He knew what he had to do. He had to point others to Jesus. And you know what? As we allow God to change us, as we allow him to make us more like Jesus, as we, as we submit ourselves to him, and as we recognize that he is worthy, he is the one who is worthy of all the glory. You see, we talked a bit last night about that orphan spirit. There's an old, our old flesh, that old part of us, that, that orphan part of us that doesn't really know who we are. That part of us, that orphan that doesn't know that God is our father. That part of us will, will keep us in bondage, will stop us from understanding who God is and who we are. You need to know that you're God's daughter. And you need to know that you have been created to carry his glory. Psalm 8 says that when he created man in the first place, that he crowned him with glory and honour. That's why Jesus came to die, that we could carry that glory and honour into a dark world. And we need to know that he is the one who is worthy. I've written in your notes, John was submitting to Jesus, and it's the same with you. In order to fulfill your true purpose, you must know who you are in Christ. And you must know the truth about Christ, the one that you worship. Do you realise he's the one who is faithful? Do you realise he's the one who is worthy of all the glory? Do you realise that when we worship him and give him the glory, we come into the truth of who we are. We, we, we come into the joy of the Lord. We begin to share our lives in partnership with Christ. This is what God has for you and for me, that we would live a life where we are changed into his likeness. Where we become more and more like him. He is worthy of all that you've got. It's all about him. You see, the truth is, and I've written this down and you can read it whenever you get time, here's the truth, that people who do not know their identity in Christ are insecure people. Believe me, those who don't know their, who they truly are in Christ, there's an insecurity, there's a trying to scramble up to become something, to be acceptable, where there's something in us that wants to be accepted, there's something in us that wants to be noticed, there's something in us that wants to be in control, there's something in us that has that old characteristic of the old nature. And if we don't know who we are in Christ, we're going to be scrambling and scraping and we're going to be tormented with wrong thoughts because the God of this world, Satan himself, is going to fill our minds with wrong thoughts. And as we live in that place, we are not going to know who we are. When we know our true identity in Christ, we begin to step into who we are. 
and we begin to realise the value that God places on us, that he sent his only son to die for you. If you'd been the only person who ever lived, he would still have sent Jesus to die for you because you are important and God loves you and he sent his son to die for you. People who do not know their true identity in Christ are insecure, seeking affirmation. And you know, this is the old nature that we have. And there's something about all of us that want people to praise us. And we need need to be constantly affirmed that we're okay and we're doing okay. Listen, in Christ, we are complete. In him, we have everything that 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 we need. In him, he can do what we can't do. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we need to waken up to that because sometimes we're plagued that we're not good enough. And sometimes we're plagued, oh, I did a bad job there. Listen, it's not about what job you did. He has done it all. It's just about trusting him. Trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I've written in your notes that we often seek affirmation. We're often negative about ourselves. Were you ever negative about yourself? Or maybe negative about other people. This is what it's like when we don't really know who we are in Christ. We see the the faults in other people. We become negative. We speak out negative words. It's the old nature. It's that old orphan part of us that, that that is constantly needy and trying to make ourselves feel better by putting other people down. This is the orphan spirit. And God says you're no longer an orphan. You're no longer a slave. You're a child. You're a daughter. Your sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. And so this negativity about ourselves and others can become very much part of who we are, even though we're saved. Even though we get saved, we can still live in this old nature, this old orphan nature, this old, old flesh of ours. And we can be living trying to get attention and trying to have the focus on us instead of on God. And God's been challenging me about this. Because all of us have this old nature. It's not that you're worse than me or I'm worse than you. We all were born with this old nature, this old bit that doesn't really appreciate that God is our Father and that he loves us. And we we need to step into being daughters of God Most High. And we need to believe not only that he died to save us, but we need to believe that he has changed us and that he's brought us into the family and his love is resting upon us and his purposes are over us and that God wants to fill us with his hope and his joy and his love and that we'll be able to love ourselves as well as love him and love those around us. That's what Jesus said. You love the Lord your God with all your mind and your heart and your soul and your neighbour as yourself. And God wants us to be secure women who know who we are in Christ. That we would be like John the Baptist, that we know who we are and that we know what we're here to do. And God has called us just to be filled with God's presence and the overflow of that will shine to those around us. I mean, it's very simple. And we do that in our own unique ways. You do it in whatever job you're in or whatever your family is or whatever your happen- stage of life you happen to be in at the moment. But it's the same thing, only it's, it's coming out of a, you're a different vessel. So you will, you will shine out his likeness in a different way to the way I would do it. And so this is what God wants to say to us today. This old, insecure, not knowing our true identity often leads us to this negative thinking also to victims of rejection. See, Jesus was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He has taken all of that upon him. 
He has lifted any rejection that's been placed on you. He's taken it off you. If you're suffering from rejection, I want to encourage you, come and get some prayer because God does not want you to continue to feel rejection because Jesus took your rejection in his own body on the cross. He bore it from you that he could lift it off you. You are not rejected. You are accepted in the beloved. You're his. He loves you. You belong to him and he wants you to know who you are. You're not a victim of rejection. And you're not a victim of jealousy. If you're jealous of other people or you feel that, oh, I wish I was like her or, or why can't I be more like that person or this person, listen, stop it. Because jealousy is not part of who you are. God made you to be you. You are unique. You have your own different blend of, of gifting. He's made you different to anybody else in this earth. And if you're trying to be like somebody else, then you're trying to do something that's impossible because God's made you to be you. And he wants you to start to celebrate that and to thank him for who, how he has made you and to thank him for how he's brought you through and what he's doing and what he still wants to do. Because what he wants to do in your life is priceless and it's unique. And he says, you're my daughter. You're the one that I love. So he doesn't want us to suffer from jealousy. Jealousy is, the Bible says, as cruel as the grave. Jealousy twists you up and torments you. Do you know that the enemy's a liar from the beginning and he wants you to be full of hurt and jealousy and negativity and all of these things. He doesn't want you to know the joy of the Lord as your strength, as his daughter. And then a big one, unforgiveness. You know, God wants, we have been forgiven. Jesus came to this world to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he wants us to forgive those that have, that have hurt us. He wants us to forgive those that have trespassed against us. Just the way he has forgiven us, we need to release and let others go. Now that doesn't mean that we have to be buddy buddies. In certain circumstances, that's not a wise thing to do. But we do need to choose, make a choice to say, God, you're forgiven me. So I choose to forgive that person and release that person to you. And you see, it's in the choosing and the speaking out. And when we speak out those words, then God comes in and he gives us an ability to release that person. Because so long as you're holding on forgiveness... That person has still got a legal right on you that's tormenting you. And that memory will continue to torment you and you will not be free of it. But once you decide and you speak it out and say, God, you've forgiven me, so I choose to forgive that person. You release yourself from them and you're free now to move on into the plans that God has for you. It's amazing. It's wonderful. The power of what Jesus has done for you, the power of the cross. And so God doesn't want us to be uh, daughters who are carrying on forgiveness and he doesn't want us to be daughters who are full of bitterness or have any taint of bitterness around us. You know, when we don't forgive and when we hold on to stuff and when we hold on to wrong thinking about people and wrong thinking even about ourselves and even about things that have happened, see that bitterness? It's like rust. It will rust you up and it will stop you from being all that God has uh, planned for you to be. And then I just threw in, there's loads more of these, but I just threw in another one, unhealthy addictions. You know, God wants us to be free. He doesn't want us to be addicted to uh, a particular uh, problem. He doesn't want us to be addicted to, you know, comforting with wrong comforts. You know, alcohol abuse and, and wrong use of medication and, and even just even misusing our bodies and overeating or, or and spending money or for comfort. These are things that are false comforts. God doesn't want us to experience. He wants us to know his comfort. 
He's the God of all comfort. He wants us to know his arms around us. And he wants us to know that he wants us to experience his love and his joy and his peace. Isn't that amazing that God loves us in such a way? Here's what I wanted to finish with. When we stop making everything all about us and start to make everything all about Jesus, we will see amazing things happen, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of those around us. We will be free to be and do what we have been created to be and do. John was about to see the kingdom of God in action as he pointed people in the direction of Messiah and they started to follow Jesus. I just want to say to you this morning that God wants each one of us to carry his light, to carry his glory, to know who we are and everywhere we go that we can point others to Christ that we will have the joy of seeing his kingdom come. What a glorious life we are led to live. He is the one who can lift us up with wings as eagles. He's the one when we're down can lift us up and give us his comfort and bless us and take care of us. I just feel it's really important this morning that I remind you that he's the God of all comfort. That he's the God who sent his son to die, to take our place, to die for our sins. And if you don't know him as your saviour this morning, wow, we would love you to come up and to trust him and to receive him. That you might know what it is to be a child of God. To be born again into the family of God. To have that restored glory upon your life. That you can live in a different way to the way you've been living. That those orphan characteristics... Those old ways of thinking negatively about yourself and about others. Those things that plague you. Those wrong thoughts. That those can be changed and that you can begin to carry his glory and his presence. And show his love to those around you. I don't know why but there's a story that I shared last night coming back to me. And I just feel I need to just maybe finish with this. When I was 12 my mum died in a car accident. And I know many of you know that. Um, But one of the things that I most remember about my mother was the way that she put her arms around me and held me close and hugged me. And that's a very, very strong memory that I've had. And over my life, I have remembered that. It's been such a precious thing to remember as I remember her putting her arms around me and holding me so tight against her breast. And I remember so well that feeling of knowing that she really loved me. And you see, we need to know that we have God, our Father, but we also have God as the God of the breast. We have God, El Shaddai. One of the names for God is El Shaddai, the God of the breast. And God wants to put his arms around you and he wants to hold you to his breast. As we go on in this gospel, we're going to see that John, who wrote this gospel, he knew what it was to lie, put his head on the breast of Jesus. And this morning, I just want you to know, if you need comfort, he's the one who can give you comfort. And he's the one who wants to put his arms around you and hold you. And he wants you to know that he is with you and for you. And if there's stuff that has been tormenting you, I believe he's saying, now's the time to start this journey of moving away and out of these things. We've been looking over the last few weeks about how God wants us to get more. He wants us to step into the more. And this morning, Beth was saying how she really felt that, that God had more for us. And and so I just really challenge my own heart and yours. Are you ready for more? 
Are you ready to step out of the old orphan way of thinking? Out of the negativity? Out of the wrong thoughts about yourself and even others? We all suffer from it. Are you ready to step into really knowing what it means to be his daughter? To be his child? For as many as received him and believed on his name, to them give he the right or the authority to be called the children of God. You're not just any old person. You've trusted Jesus as your saviour. You are his precious daughter. And he's a particular plan for you, a particular way for you to display his glory to a dark world. And if ever we needed to be shining lights in Northern Ireland, if ever we needed it, we need it right now. We need God's church to rise up and we need to be shining lights in the darkness and we need to show the world what God looks like. That's our purpose. That's the call in our lives. Lord, may we know your comfort in fresh ways. Lord, may we simply follow you. May we be ready like John, Lord, to be that voice. Help us, Lord, to know who we are in Christ. Help us to know our true identity, that we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works for your glory. Help us, Lord, I pray this morning, to have a fresh understanding. Holy Spirit, would you release a fresh understanding of these truths? Because I feel we know these in our head, but do we really know them in our lives? God, would you just... Go right deep right now by your Holy Spirit. And God, would you give us a fresh revelation of your love for us? A fresh revelation of how valued we are. A fresh revelation of the privilege of carrying your glory and honour. Of being vessels of light to shine in a dark world. Lord, as we continue with this gospel and as we see over the next week how, how Jesus drew people to himself... May we have the joy of seeing the Lord bringing people into our circumstances who will find Jesus and who will follow him. Because, Lord, we recognise it's not about us. It's all about you. We recognise, like John the Baptist, we aren't worthy, but you are worthy. The Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. God, help us to appreciate that as we sing this song together. May we appreciate that you are worthy and help us, Lord, with fresh hearts to re, just to recommit ourselves to you, to submit everything to you, to know that nothing is worthwhile holding on to and to give it all to you. You're the one who is worthy in Jesus' name. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. You know, as we just sung that, I was reminded of the Old Testament in the tabernacle and in the temple, there was the altar of incense which continued to burn, uh, smoke rising up, speaking of our praises and of our love and our worship, rising up to God 24-7. And I just declare he is worthy of our lives, that our lives would be lives of worship, that in everything we do that we would worship him, that we would show this dark world who he is, not through shouting or are trying to make points, but through just showing his love and his goodness and his grace in everything we do, that we would worship him by the way that we live, by the things that we say, by the way we treat people, that we would be full of his gentleness and his goodness and his patience and his love and his likeness, that we would become more and more like him, that the old orphan bit that has to fight to be recognised, the old orphan spirit that wants to be first, that wants it all to be about us, that the Lord would help us to step out of that and to, to, to commit ourselves afresh to God and say, Lord, I want to let that old orphan nature go and I want to step into being a true daughter of the King of Kings. 
and I want to let you shine and I want to submit to you because you are worthy of it all and he wants to shine his life through you. Let it happen, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.